new year, new series. I want to dive right in. I want you to grab your Bible with me today. Uh, I'm not giving you every scripture that I'm going to reference this morning, uh, but I'm going to give you several. We're going to lay a foundation in this series. We're calling it Scriptures That Speak. Have you ever been reading the Word of God or heard a verse that kind of resonated with you and and it just, it was more than words on a page. If you haven't, then that's the purpose of this series. If you have, then we want to reinvigorate some of those scriptures. I didn't have the time to tell this part of the story in first service today, but I want to share it with you. I was on the phone with my grandfather yesterday. He's 84 years old. He's born in 1938. Some of you are like, oh, no, me too. All right, so hey, he was born in 1938, and I was on the phone with him, and I was, I was asking him some questions just to, you know, we got to see him, and, you know, I just wanted to hear from him. I was asking him some stories of his grandfather and his dad, and I'll spare you a lot of that, but then he told me a story of his dad who had, had separated from his mama for several years, five or six years, and, and my grandfather has four brothers, so five boys, single mama, daddy gone, kind of doing his own thing. He had a wreck. He was in the hospital. After five years of being separated, she actually took care of him while he was in the hospital. I don't know. Never mind. And she took care of him in the hospital. He ended up giving his life to Jesus, and my grandfather, talking about his daddy, said, I remember my dad quoting scripture for two hours a day. Some of the same scripture. Now listen, I have not arrived. Apparently that's in my DNA. Maybe it skipped me. I'm not sure. Maybe I just need to work on it. But my grandfather said, my granddaddy, Thomas Alfred Fry, told me that his daddy, Thomas Alvin, he was just known as T.A., would quote the same scriptures every day. For a couple hours a day. He remembers his daddy doing that. Those are scriptures that speak. And my grandfather said, you know, I think my dad did that because he knew what life was like apart from Christ. But he knew who God had called him to be, and that's what he wanted to remember. So he spent time speaking God's word into his life. We're going to go over some life verses in this series. Before we dive into this, would you do me a huge favor and welcome everybody that is online right now? Come on, be real loud for them. We stream our services into Eunice Municipal. We have some brothers and sisters in Christ that listen to us throughout the week. We'll make sure that they know how grateful we are that they're spending time with us. We have four objectives in this series, Scriptures That Speak. I'm going to give you the four objectives quickly. Then I'll dig in a little bit deeper. But number one, we want you to get in God's word. I don't have time to share the statistics. If you want to go look, you can go to backtothebible.org, and you can see the significance of what takes place in your life if you will just get in God's word. John opened his revelation by saying, blessed is the one who hears and reads this word aloud. There's supernatural power connected to this book. The author of Hebrews said, this book is 
alive. John opened his gospel by saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the was Word God. He, I thought we were talking about the Word. He, John, is making a comparison between the Word of God and the presence or the person of God. He was in the beginning. Get in God's Word. As we prepare for 21 days of prayer and fasting, we want you to get in God's Word. Number two, we want you to hear God's voice. Now, you hear me say this often, but before God says anything new, most of the time, He wants us to learn and hear what He's already said. He's not going to give you a new word until you hear and or just adhere to what he's already said. I have three little people I'm responsible for. I don't want them to ask me a question about what I want them to do next until they do what I told them to do now. Yeah, but daddy, can I? No! <laughs> You can go do what I've already given you, and then after you do that, I want to begin to share some new things with you. Hearing God's voice is so essential. I want to encourage you, not just in his word when you're reading his word, but like throughout your day. Like let God go with you. You don't like wake up, spend time with him in the morning, close the book, then leave. No, no, no. You ask, okay, God, thank you. Now go with me. Like, I want to hear your voice. Probably shouldn't talk about this when, when we're doing a fast, but when I was driving through Tyler, Texas, and, and there was one, I just talking to God out loud. Like, that's a relationship, right? And then stopping long enough to actually hear. And I was like, Lord, I want something good to eat for lunch. See, I do this on the first day, on day 14. I give people bad looks for talking about food, but on first day, I'm okay. Um, God, I, you know, Tyler, that's the metropolis, right? I've, I lived in Chandler. There was Brookshire's in Chandler, and that was pretty much it. And, and, and now we live in Eunice. I got like three choices. So I go to, you know, big metropolis towns like Bossier City. Oh, and, and anyways, all right, so I'm driving through town like, Lord, show me somewhere. Like, I want something I've never had before. And I, I top the hill, and there's this little, it's scary looking. But there was smoke coming out of like the right place in it. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll try it. But I actually heard, eat here. And I went in and I won't describe the food because, well, that's not part of my fast and I don't want to talk about it. But I, I'm telling you, it's the best lunch I ever had. And I'll share that silly little thing to just let you know. He wants to be involved in those small decisions. Like that was a little thing, but, but when to make what decision, where to go. God wants to be involved in that. And if you're not in his word, you're probably not hearing his voice. But when you get in his word, you got to give him time to speak. You know that sign you pull up to on the road and nobody knows what to do? It's called a yield sign. You know, it's like people, I, listen, I, when I'm riding with my bride, I work on my prayer language when we pull up to that sign. It's like, you know, it's not just, it's a lot of people who are like, oh, do I stop? Do I go? What do I do? It's like, okay, I'm going to help you. I'm saving somebody's life right now. You ready? When you see that sign and you see another vehicle coming, you stop. 
Because you're supposed to let the other vehicle go. All right, I think that there are times when we need to stop talking to God and we need to start listening to God. Like, okay, I've given you my prayer request, Lord, now I yield. I'm gonna let you go. And we're gonna learn how to hear your voice. In fact, I don't wanna close my Bible and walk away from this. I want you to now go into my day with me. We want you to learn to hear God's voice. Number three, we want you to connect to God's presence. This is why we pray and why we fast. Remember Jesus' disciples came to him and said, Lord, this boy is filled with, actually it was the daddy of the boy. I brought the son to your disciples. He's throwing himself in the fire and, and they couldn't cast out the demons. You know, you would think Jesus would fuss at the daddy, but he didn't. He turned to his disciples and he said, you faithless and perverse generation. Well, that'll mess up your sweet Jesus, won't it? It's like, well, I thought Jesus was just kind and loving. You're reading the wrong book because he's all of those things. And he looks at his disciples, he says, you faithless and perverse generation. This kind of faith only comes by prayer and fasting. Why? Because prayer increases faith and fasting, de fasting decreases the perversion. So in order to connect to God's presence, there are probably some things that you need to disconnect from. That got more amens in last service with less people. Let me give you an example I was in somewhere in New York, staying in a hotel, playing baseball, and I was reading this book. Um, I was in the room by myself because, you know, everybody else went out and did this, and I was like, number one, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. I can't go. Number two, I'm engaged, and I want to stay that way. Um, so I stayed back at the hotel, and I was reading something, and I called Megan, and I said, hey, listen, I know, like, there is, there is a, like a wall in our relationship like, we have a boundary. There's a hold on us. And she's like, now listen, that is not recommended that you would call your significant other, fiance or spouse from way out of town, I'm done hundreds of miles away, and say, hey, listen, there's a constriction on our relationship. She goes, yeah, you're playing baseball in New York. That's the, con no, no, the constriction. Well, I said, she goes, what? Why are you saying that? And I said, I, I feel like, you compare me to your past relationships, and I compare you to my past relationships. And until we decide to disconnect from our thoughts of all those other people, we will never connect the way that God wants us to connect. See, until you stop comparing God to everything else that you're, ooh, that's good right there. Until you stop being connected to all the things that are actually distracting you from his presence, you will never grow in the relationship that God wants to have with you, which is the same as the relationship that he had with Adam and the woman when they walked with God in the cool of the afternoon. They didn't just have a prayer closet. They didn't just have a quiet time. They had a relationship connection to God Almighty. Number four, before I preach the pre-sermon, we want you to discover God's plan. According to Barna Research, statistically, 90% of born-again believers cannot tell you why they are on this earth. 
if the believers don't know why that they're here, then the world we're supposed to be winning doesn't stand a chance. And by the way, that's why we have a generation full of young people that can't find their identity because Christians don't even know theirs. This year, we want you to get in God's word. We want you to learn how to hear God's voice from more than just this pulpit. From more than just this pulpit. We want you to connect to God's presence. Look, one of the things that we do during the fast is we disconnect from these things and these things and these things. I'm not saying we never use them or we never turn them on. We're just very intentional. If the TV's on in our house during the fast, it's during the LSU game. Just saying. I wore my shirt today. I had this hanging during the, somebody knew I was going to reference it. I had this hanging up. I was going to wear it when LSU was playing Texas A&M. I stuffed it on. I had to iron it this morning because I threw it on the floor that day. I didn't wear it. <laughs> anyway, so now I'm going to wear it today. They're going to play tomorrow. We're going to watch that. It's okay. I thought y'all were fast in television. We are. And then on Friday and Saturday, we're going to come together as a family. We're going to watch a movie together, like a wholesome one, one that we're supposed to be able to listen to. By the way, if you want to know a good standard for your life in Christ, if it's not good for God's children, I'm sorry, your children, it's not good for God's children. So like if you wouldn't let them watch it, I'm just saying, it's a good standard. It's kind of like, never mind, I'll come back to that later. Connect and hear from God in his voice, his plan, discover his plan. We're not trying to find or get God to give us our plan. We're trying to discover his. So in order to do that, write this down, what we form is as important as what we fast. People feel really super spiritual about what they give up for 21 days. And Jesus addressed that. He's, he says, you know, anoint your head with oil and, and, and put a happy face on. Uh, don't go around bragging about it. It's not that you can't tell anybody. It's just that you're not supposed to become spiritually arrogant about what God's called you to do. It's just about being obedient to what God's called you to do. And people will fast for 21 days. And on the 22nd day... They go right back to the way that they were before they started. And I believe that what we form over the next 21 days, so that's why we're diving straight in, January 1st. These are not resolutions. We're talking about spiritual transformation over the next 21 days. Because you'll break your resolutions. But if you will fast and you will pray and you will form new habits, I believe that the next 21 days will set the trajectory for the following 344 days. So if you're taking notes with me, write this down. What is fasting? Fasting is giving something up to grow closer to God. We're giving something up to grow closer to God. I used to have to teach on all the different fasts, on the Daniel fast or the total fast or the bread and water fast, and all of these things are in Scripture. If you want to look that stuff up, it is a Google search engine away for you. It's very simple. What's the Daniel fast? No meat, no sweets, no dairy. Well, what can I have? Go Google it. I've done all of the fasts. I've done all of them except for like the whole 21 days, the big 20. See how easily distracted we are? That's why we need to fast and pray because we need to be connected 
and disconnected from the things that we're not supposed to. 21 days, and I believe that that will set the trajectory. I'm not just giving things up. See, I used to fast and just give things up, but I didn't really form anything. I'm giving things up with a purpose. I'm not just doing a weird diet. And I'm not just only doing a liquid diet for the next seven days so I can you know, cleanse my digestive system and give my kidneys and my liver and my colon a break. That's not the purpose. That's part of it. That's going to happen. I'm not just detoxing. Let me say it this way. I'm not just detoxing my body. I'm detoxing my soul. And I believe that if you can find discipline over food, then you will discover discipline over your flesh. So I'm giving some things up. I'm laying some things down so that I can grow closer to God, so that I can develop a prayer life that I don't currently have, so that if I turn the TV on, it's to listen to something that's going to inspire me or develop me spiritually. It's worship. It's elevation worship. It's the Maverick City. It's the Gaithers. Come on, somebody. I don't care what you worship to as long as it's biblical. It's about growing closer to God. It's about connecting to him. And there are several ways that you can fast. There are several things that you can do. Biblically, I'm teaching a little bit right now. Don't let me lose you. Lean in. Biblically, fasting always had to do with food. But I've read through the Old and the New Testament on more than one occasion, and I have not seen anything about iPhones or Androids listed in it. I've not seen anything about social media, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, or TikTok, or any of the things that are actually created for you to become addicted to them. Oh, let's just go into the social experiment. Oh, you conspiracy theorists? No, it's working. You spend more time on social media than you do scripture and wonder what's wrong with you spiritually. Come on, I do the same thing. That's why I'm fasting it. I don't know what you need to fast. It probably needs to be some food, and it probably needs to be something cultural. Here's what we say. Pick something culinary, pick something cultural. Write it down, and then do it. That second part's really important. Write it down and then do it. Technology, cell phone, iPads, TV, entertainment. Write this question down. It's not in your notes. You got to do it on your own. What do I need to change immediately? I'm going to come over here so I kind of stay in front of this a little bit more. What do I need to change immediately? We like to evaluate on our staff. Okay, hang on, that's not true. I like to evaluate on our staff, and they're on our staff, so everybody on our staff evaluates with me. It's fun. We do this thing called keep, kill, create, change. What do I need to keep in my life right now? What do we need to keep in ministry? What's going really well? We need to continue to develop that, make sure it stays strong. What do we need to kill? immediately what is sapping my energy my effort my emotion what is taking everything from me and or us and showing no return whatsoever what do we need to create 
Because you don't want to just remove stuff, right? You want to replace it. Like if you're fasting sodas, you need to drink more water. If you're fasting food, you need to drink more than more water. If you're laying something down, it has to be with a purpose. Christianity is not just about what you get rid of. It's not just about you feeling better about not being as bad. Come on, somebody. It's about you becoming holy as he is holy. What do I need to change immediately? Ask the people closest to you. I dare you. Make it fun. Go home today. Look your friend in the eye or your family member. If you dare, your wife, I mean your spouse, and ask the people closest to you. You know why? Because they'll tell you something that you're not aware of. You need people in your life that will tell you things that you need to hear whether you want to hear it or not. And if you don't have those people, it's because you're avoiding them. And you don't really want to get better. And that's a character flaw. And God wants to work on it, and you're not letting him. Y'all okay today? It's January 1st. We're coming out hot. (laughs) Open the gate. Let's go. We got 365 more of these. We're going to make it in Jesus' name. Ask your family, what can we give up? By the way, if you're single, your singleness in Christ is no less valuable than my marriage or my family in Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul says it's even more valuable because you're not distracted by the things that I tend to be distracted by. Your passion and your purpose is for God and God alone. Don't you undervalue your singleness, whether you're committed to it for life or whether it's just a season. Do not undervalue the opportunity that you have to draw nearer to God in a way that I don't even know that I can in this season. If you don't have anybody else to ask, you ask him, and he'll tell you. What can I give up for 21 days? What can we, if you're in a family, what can we give up? If you're in a marriage, what can we give up? Don't make the mistake that Megan and I made. I want you to learn from our mistakes. The first year that we decided to fast, we were together, we just weren't fasting together. We were engaged and we watched one another eat what the other person wanted. (laughs) That was not good for our relationship with God or one another. You need to have the conversation. I'm fasting meat, that's all she's eating. I'm salivating over her meal. She's fasting carbs, that's all I'm eating. I'm like, ah, stupid rice, you know? (laughs) Y'all are like, whoa, rice? I know, I don't like it. Okay, anyways, it's... (laughs) potatoes. What can we give up? What can we give up here's a, so that we, we can grow? Here, here's why. Because this church family is only as strong as the individual families that make it up. Okay, hang on, hang on. And the individual families are only as strong as the individuals in the family. So what can we fast? Guys, I'm gonna help you get over yourself. Listen to the people that God has put in your life. Decide and discern together. Ladies, don't think 
God didn't pull a bone from his skull. You don't have to be his thoughts for him. He pulled a rib from the side. You can share, but you can't make anybody do anything. You can discuss, but you cannot demand. Work together to discover God's will. I think this is important. I put this in your notes. We pray and we fast out of desire, not demand. So often I think just because we read these supernatural things that will happen according to God's word in Isaiah 58, you know, that'll break the bonds of wickedness, that your presence, the presence of the Lord will be like a light that breaks forth unto the dawn and his healing will spring up speedily. And so we fast and we pray and we have these items that we expect God to fulfill. And I think that's okay when you make your request known to God with thanksgiving, with surrender. I think we get in trouble when we bring our demands to God and if he doesn't meet our demands, then we stop seeking his desires. So we pray and we fast, not out of demand, but out of desire. Out of desire what? To have a relationship. A couple of weeks ago, this has been resonating and I'm just sharing with you where I am right now. My prayer life has taken a new step when I consider the God that I am praying to. You know, I preached a couple of weeks ago who he really is and that the universe is really a reflection of the sovereignty and the supernatural authority of God. And I think that I'm praying and speaking to the creator of the cosmos and yet he calls me friend. And Jesus said, I can call him daddy. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel sorry for me, but I didn't hear my daddy quoting scripture for two hours a day. But it's still in me because the blessing of God goes down a thousand generations. And you can set the trajectory. You can break old habits and break old strongholds. And your children's children's children, whether they be biological or spiritual, and don't you ever underestimate the value of a spiritual child, will walk in the favor of God because you made a decision on January 1st, 2023 that this year's gonna be different because I'm going to seek God's desires. Not because I've got all these stupid resolutions I'm gonna forget about in three weeks, but because I'm going to seek God's presence unlike I've ever sought it before. So number two, when it comes to fasting, we're fasting to find his will, not to force his hand. He is the creator of the universe. I think sometimes when we go to God, we need to remember who we're talking to. Now, some people do that and they enter timidly. That's why the author of Hebrews said, hold on, no, no, no. Approach the throne of grace with boldness, with confidence, but don't do it with arrogance. Or do this to find his will, not to force his hand. So, okay, so whatever you choose to fast, and I know, like, I'm teaching more than I preach today, so I'm losing a lot of people. That's okay, because I'm giving some people some meat that they're going to chew on all week long. <laughs> if you slip up, just quit, and don't even try again. 
No, I got him. I got Pastor Weston on that. <laughs> Some people are like, whoa, what? No, if you slip up, start over. Just, just keep going. It's the devil that wants to discourage you. You know, like all these people that had these version reading streaks and then they missed a day and their streak was over and they stopped reading the Bible? That's the devil trying to discourage you. Who cares about your stupid streak? Come on, somebody. Pick up the Bible because it's alive and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. It will transform you from the inside out if you will just take the time to get it in you. If you slip up and make a mistake, I have, we've been in, I'm talking 14 days into a fast and I walk by something and grab it and start chewing it up. And I swallow part of it and go, and just remember, I'm fasting. I can't have this. Take a sip of something I'm not supposed to have during the fast. Not always. Some of you need to fast alcohol. That's another conversation for another day. But like a drink that normally I could just have, you know, like a Diet Coke. Because aspartame is better for you than alcohol. And that's stupid too. Anyways, <laughs> I've, I've unintentionally broken my fast. And I was like, oh man, 14 days in. Why? Why did I unintentionally? Because we make unintentional subconscious decisions every day that distract us from God's purpose out of habit. So when you do something out of habit that you've been doing anyways, make a note. Man, I need to break this. I'm not even being aware of God. Why, why do we fast food? Because that's what you think about the most. No, it's not. Okay, then don't eat and watch. Some of you are about to be shocked at how much you think about food because most of the time you just go get that cup of coffee. Most of the time you just buy that energy drink. Most of the time you just grab that snack. Most of the time, you just eat that Reese's. Show up. I about just prayed in the spirit out loud and made people uncomfortable. <laughs> but when you decide to deny yourself these earthly pleasures, God begins to reveal to you heavenly treasures. And when you go to grab what you would normally just grab without a thought and keep going, you go, wait, I can't have that. Why can I not have it? Because I want to draw closer to God. And you say a 30-second prayer that you wouldn't have said otherwise. And now don't you ever underestimate the power of a short prayer. Like, Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. That's a short prayer. Jesus responded to the short prayer, today you will walk with me in paradise. See, we fast and we pray because there's some levels of our relationship with God that only come. There's, there's levels of our faith. It's not who he is. It's because of who we, we are still deciding to be comfortable with being. God wants to show us so much more. He wants to do so more, so much more. This is not in your notes. The Lord gave me this this morning. What we decide to do today is going to determine where we end up in December 31st. That could be a prophetic proclamation or it could be a prophetic warning. What we decide to do with this message today and this fast for the next 21 days and the days of prayer that we're gonna go into on purpose and how we restructure our schedule. What we decide to do today is going to determine where we end up 365 days from now 
and certainly five to six to 10 years from now. There's a couple of just practical things I wanna invite you to do. Number one, I wanna invite you to download Right Now Media on your phone. You can go to our unischurch.com. We've made it very simple. I wanna invite you to download Right Now Media on your phone. Um, we'll give you a, a, a QR code at the end of the service. That's easy to do. The people that worship God with their giving here at, at New Hope pay for a subscription for you and your family to have access to this. Pastor Dylan found a uh, curriculum that he'd like for us to lean into called the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Well, why does Pastor Dylan get, because he's our discipleship pastor and he cares about as much about discipleship as I enjoy preaching from this pulpit. And he found this and it spoke to him and he wants to share it with you. But in order to go into it, you've got to download this free for you app because your body of believers are paying for that subscription and most people aren't even taking advantage of it. I also would like to invite you to download our church app. We've had hundreds of downloads, and I'm grateful for the ones that are downloading it, but we put content up in our app constantly. We also communicate with you and let you know what's going on. We don't blow you up because that stuff annoys me, and we don't, I don't let people do that. But we let you know what's happening. So download our church app. If you haven't already done it, go on your phone or your device and go subscribe to our church channel on YouTube. Every single week, we do a verse-by-verse -verse study. We, it took us two, almost two and a half years to go through the book of Acts. Some people don't like going that slow. Some people hadn't read their Bible in that long. So it's just kind of a balance between the two. That's why we have multiple things going on. If you haven't already done it, download the YouVersion Bible app. It has nothing to do with our church. Because you may not have this with you all the time, but you could have that with you all the time. And some of you need to start using this thing for holiness instead of all the things that you've been doing out of habit. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help make you holy as he is holy. Because you can't seek sin and seek the presence of God at the same time. Those two things cannot coexist. I don't care what your doctrine taught you in the past. The Bible says otherwise. And you can transform what you're using this device to actually plant inside of you if you'll take the time to do it. We are a generation, this is gonna get a little heavy if you're a guest here, I'm not mad at you, I'm just sharing. We are a generation that has more access to the word of God than any other generation, and yet we are still more biblically ignorant than any generation. Why? Because we are not taking advantage of the access, and you hear this preacher today, we will give an account unlike any other generation will stand before God and give an account that we had full access to everything that he wanted us to know incessantly and we decided not to take advantage of it. Download that app. Download Right Now Media. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Don't just listen to us driving down the road, although we love that. If that's the only way you can listen, then it's the only way you can listen. But stop and study with us. Take the time to get in God's word, to hear his voice, to connect to his presence, and to discover his purpose and his plan for your life. I believe one of the number one ways you will be discipled, and I'm about to transition and wake some people up, don't worry, but I believe one of the number one ways that you will be discipled is if you take advantage of the opportunity that you have over the next month to sign up for groups. The Bible says, listen, groups is not a good idea. It's a biblical principle. The Bible says that they gathered in the temple and they met house to house. 
It's not one or the other, it's both and. Why? Because you do not develop relationships sitting in rows. In other words, you over here are not likely developing relationship with people over here, or you'd be sitting beside one another. But you're supposed to have relationship with one another. People in 930 don't even know some of the people that come to service in 1115. Well, I already went through that group. I already did that curriculum. Okay, great. With that attitude, you probably need to do it again because you missed something. <laughs> I'm trying to help somebody today. And in the name of Jesus, group leaders come out. In the name of Jesus, be willing, be available. Open up your home to a few people. Those people will be predetermined. They have to sign up. Just be willing to invite somebody along in your journey. Church, when did we lose the value of one-on-one -on -one discipleship? You know why we stopped having Wednesday night services besides COVID made us at first? The reason that we didn't go back is we found that we were really good at getting people to come to services that we planned. In other words, we were really good at getting people to gather together in large groups and listen to what we have to say. But we were not good at getting people around a table where they actually developed relationship with one another, held one another accountable, and grew in their relationship with God. And so we began to, to film these verse-by-verse these -verse studies, and we began to say, hey, listen, you bring your children up here, we'll minister to them while you go minister to yourself. And people aren't taking advantage of it. You bring, your, you bring your children, your teenager or your child up here, and you go have coffee with your spouse and listen to what God said to us and then sit and see what God says to you. And then, crazy idea, pray together, you know, since you're one in Christ. <laughs> why do we develop, so, why do we dedicate so much time, energy, and effort to temporary things and then wonder why the eternal things are so lacking in our lives? If people come up to us like, well, I, I went to New Hope, but I just, I'm, you know, I just didn't really connect. And we're like, okay, so when'd you go to Next Steps? Well, I didn't go to Next Steps. Where'd you serve? Oh, wait, you didn't go to Next Steps. You're not serving. I, what, what group did you sign up for? Well, I, I, I just don't, I don't like being around people. Okay, so what did you do? Well, I mean, I came to service and I sat by myself. Why? Why'd you... How many people? Were, there's only one other person there? Like, what was going on? No, no, no. You get out what you put in. It's just like any other relationship. <laughs> Your relationship with God is just like every other relationship. Your relationship with the body of Christ is just like every other relationship. If you're not committed to it, nothing's coming. Come on, but when you will devote to it fully, then you will begin to see God move. Now, I didn't catch this. And I didn't share this, but this is our first scripture. I, I wrote this two weeks ago because I went back up to North Louisiana this past week and just spent some time with family and, and kiddos, and our church is so gracious to allow us to do those things. I wrote this message the week of Christmas, and I put this verse in my notes, and I sent it to our staff. We recorded it before this week even though we showed it yesterday. And this was the scripture that God told me to start this series with. Colossians 3, 23. Now, if you were listening, Chad 
said he felt like the Lord wanted him to share this message with, him, with you during prayer. And he opened up, Chad Andropont got up here to welcome you into prayer and he opened with this verse and he had no idea that I wrote it two weeks ago. Guys, God is trying to tell you something. Church, God is trying to tell us something. Now I'm reading from the Good News Translation. This is one of those life verses. This is one of those scriptures that you don't just need to memorize it, you need to learn it and meditate on it. Because there's a difference in memorizing something and meditating on something. If you don't believe me, you can ask T.A. Fry whenever you meet him in the kingdom of God. Because his grandson, his great-grandson standing in a pulpit this morning because my man decided to learn the word of God more than he cared about anything in the world. And I didn't even know that until yesterday. The Bible says, Colossians 3.23, Paul wrote to the church and said, whatever you do, why are we fasting and praying? Because Paul said, whatever you do, work at it. Man, we live in a day and an age where everybody wants things for nothing. Come on, they don't want to invest anything, but they want to return on everything. And the people of God should not be the ones that lead that way. But I think we've made our Christianity what other people have made our economy. That didn't go over well, so I'm just gonna keep going. The word of God says, whatever we do, we should do it, work at it with all of our heart as though we were working for the Lord and not for people. As though we were doing it for the creator of the cosmos of which we will stand before. And this generation has lost its spiritual fervor because the church became apathetic. Because we tried to blend into society. When Paul is saying, no, 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 whatever you do, if you go to work every day, you work at it with all of your heart as though you were working for the Lord and not for people. Come on, if you own a business, you grow that business the way that God leads you to build it so that you can build the kingdom of God as though you are working at it at all of your heart as unto the Lord and not for people. If you give your life to Jesus and you start attending services every week and you go through next steps and you begin to serve, you're not serving Chris, you're serving Christ. If you get involved in a group and you begin to worship God with your giving and you become discipled and you develop relationships with people that you would have never otherwise even known, you're still doing all of that for God, not for people. This is one of those scriptures that's not in your notes today. I was reading on my own in John chapter 12, around verse 40 to 43, and the Bible says that there was a group of people who believed in Jesus but for fear of the Jews, they would not confess. Do you know how many people I've seen over the last decade and a half that stopped living for Jesus because of people? Let me just go out on a limb today and say, if you stop living for Jesus because of somebody else, then you weren't really living for Jesus. You were living through that person. Why would you hold God accountable for somebody that he came to save. That person's action are a reflection of why he came and was crucified the way that he was willing to be. Whatever you do, do it with all of your heart as unto the Lord and not people, not people. 
The Bible says in John chapter 12, many of them believed, but because of fear of the Jews, they would not confess. See, because there's a difference between agreeing that God exists and confessing him as Lord of your life. Why would they not confess? The Bible says they were not willing to confess because they love the glory of men more than they love the glory of God. Hello, America. Hello, the Bible Belt South. And how many people do you know that are no longer living the will of God for their lives because their parents did something ignorant? How many people do you know that are no longer living for Jesus because some pastor had a moral failure because he really cared more about his ministry than God's calling. And I'm not preaching against those people. I have a reverent fear of not becoming the the type of person. I'm like my great granddaddy. I'm trying to learn this thing, get it in me and live it out because I don't wanna give an account to my children and my bride of why I didn't, much less stand before a perfectly holy heavenly father and hear, "Mm, man, depart from me. Whatever you do, guys, we're not here for the glory of your boss. I'm not saying you don't have to be honorable. We're not here for the glory of some preacher. I'm not saying that you shouldn't respect spiritual authority or positional authority. But we don't live for Jesus because of somebody else's holiness and or sin. We live for Jesus because he's Jesus. Hey, by the way, Jesus is not somebody you try. He's somebody you surrender to. He's somebody you die to your own flesh because he gave and and died for you. This verse, Colossians 3.23, this is a core value. We pursue excellence. Like, we train our children. No, if you're going to do it, two rules. Number one, if you're going to do it, you're going to do your best. You're going to do it with all of your heart. By the way, as unto the Lord and not to man. Don't be scoring a touchdown or hitting the ball through the infield, doing all this junk. Don't get out and throw your stuff because you're mad at your own glory. That's not why we do things. We do what we do, and we do our best at what we do because we're not doing it for people. We're doing it for him. And then the second rule is have fun. Like enjoy the journey. Stop just looking to get to heaven when God called you to bring heaven to the earth. I ain't got time to re-preach the series. But whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord, not unto men. When I first moved here, and somebody come play so everybody will think I'm almost finished. Um, when I, <laughs> whenever I first moved here, I had the privilege, uh, Greg and Michelle Brown brought a man over who was incredibly talented. I didn't even know he was from here at the time, but Bishop Clint Brown came to my house and, and I used to, I, I love the, I love Clint Brown and I love his worship. I loved his talent. I loved his ability. And you may have different feelings about whatever theologically or doctrinally. I'm not even talking about all that stuff today. I was just talking, I was grateful to meet a person who wrote some significant things for the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and led a lot of people to Jesus and he's there in our living room and and he was calling me pastor just because he's being respectful pastor pastor and I was like dude I'm like I was just I just gotten here I was like a 32 year old no like nothing just, just I didn't know what I was doing or why I was even here I wasn't even sure I wanted to be <laughs> anyways he's there 
and he says, hey, pastor, I want you to remember this. And Clint Brown came and preached for us in two services, and that was the biggest Sunday we had in my first year here. Like, it was bigger than Easter. We called it Clint Brown Sunday for like three years. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, I remember Clint Brown Sunday, that was cool. Bishop, pastor, whatever, Clint Brown came to me and said, Chris, I want you to remember something as you pastor this church. Moses listened to the people and talked to God about it. But Joshua, Joshua listened to God and talked to the people about it. I wrote that down. And that's what we decided to do. That was about 700 people and seven years ago. And God has honored that. And I'm challenging, listen, I'm not saying that we shouldn't value the input of others, that there's not wisdom in a multitude of counsel, that you shouldn't go and fear the Lord and then listen to others at the same time. I'm just saying, and I'm definitely not condoning the, I don't care what people think, because I do. Because God, God called me to be an example and a witness to people. And when they are able to use me as an excuse for why they're not serving Jesus, I believe I will give an account of that and their blood will be on my hands and I don't want to answer for it. What I'm saying is, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus began to address more than just bad actions. He began to address bad attitudes. That's frustrating, isn't it? When you're on a team or in an office or somebody comes to you, maybe it's an authority figure and, and you've been doing like everything that you could do to the best of your ability and they come and they're like, hey, listen, I mean, you've been getting this stuff done like you're doing a great job, but your attitude, like, yeah, but I did it. Yeah, I know, but your attitude. And that's what Jesus came in in Matthew chapter five and he addressed. And I imagine that, that was a little bit frustrating, especially for the disciples that had left their families, their jobs, and Jesus is messing with them and their attitude about things. And then in Matthew chapter six, Jesus begins to give all of these illustrations. He, he tells them how to pray, he tells them what to say, and, and then he gives them illustrations about being filled with anxiety. And if I were to say, hey, raise your hand if you had anxiety over 2022, I assume it would be about 100%, well, it'd be about 94% participation and some people would wake up and raise their hand like, yeah, me too, I don't know. Uh, but Jesus addressed that and he actually, he actually challenged and said, you're not supposed to be anxious. You're not supposed to be worried. Oh, I'm about to get some people right here. And then he said, you're supposed to be forgiving. And some of you are still holding people accountable to sins that they committed. And for some of you, it's guilt. You're holding yourself accountable. And for some of you, it's shame because of something that somebody else did or something that happened in your life. And some of you are mad at God. And Jesus says, forgive as you've been forgiven. And then he starts talking about fasting and praying and worshiping God with your money. And just the sound of that word offends some people. Why? Because you put more faith in your finances than you do your father. That's why you struggle with them so badly. And that offended you. 
Jesus goes down through the list of people that said they believed in him and he's challenging one thing after another after another if he's not probably making eye contact with some of the people that he's speaking to. And at the end of Matthew chapter six, when everybody's good and beat up, Jesus says, hey, listen, you know what? Before Paul wrote Colossians 3.23, Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom, that series we just went through. Seek first the kingdom. Don't go to God with your demands. Go to him with a desire. Seek first the kingdom. Don't try to force his hand. Go find his will. Get in God's word. Learn to hear his voice. Connect to his presence. Discover his purpose and plan for your life. Seek first the kingdom. Go to work tomorrow for the kingdom. Parent your children for the kingdom. Minister to your spouse for the kingdom. Be single and fulfilled anyways for the kingdom. Give for the kingdom. Pray for the kingdom. Worship for the kingdom. Serve for the kingdom. But it's not a list of do's and don'ts and actions and attitudes. It's all about Him. Seek first the kingdom of God and, oh man, live righteously. His righteousness. In other words, stop being satisfied with sin. Because you can't sin for your pleasure and seek his presence at the same time. You're choosing one or another. Guys, that's what fasting does. That's what prayer does. It breaks the bond of wickedness and causes the healing to spring up speedily. It's Isaiah 58. And all these things, all that junk, have an elder that hates when I use that word, so I made sure that she wasn't here, and then I said it. All the mess, all the weight, and the sin that so easily entangles, you could set a new trajectory over the next 21 days that redetermined the destination of generations for the next 200 years. All these things, all this stuff that Jesus was talking about in Matthew 5 and 6, it's just going to get in line. I'm not saying it's all going to be okay and everything's just going to work out perfectly. Don't listen to that lie. I'm saying when you follow Jesus, those things will follow you. When you stop following those things, they'll get in line. So here's what I want to do. Today I want to close a little bit differently. Everybody that's willing, and if you're not, then, hey, welcome to the family. You get to be part of the blessing anyways. But everybody that's willing, I want to invite you to take out your phone and or a piece of paper and a pen. Uh, everybody that colors on the back of the Connect cards and never turns them in anyways, you can use those today. I'm giving you permission. Go ahead. Those cost money. Stop doing that. But today, today, I want to invite you to take a pen and a, and a piece of paper or just open up your phone, open up your notes, do a Google Doc. I don't know, whatever you want to do. If it were me, I'd open up a Google Doc, I'd share it with my wife, and we'd, we'd work on this together. 
I want you to write this. Lord, what do you want me to fast? Well, you can't call me to a fast, I just did. See, in the Bible, yes, fasting is between you and the Lord, but there are many times when a person who is positioned in spiritual authority called a corporate fast with the people because that person understood what God wanted to do in everybody's lives. And so the people joined that person in a fast. I can force my staff, I can't force you, but I am calling you. Well, that's between me and God. Not now it's not, because you're a part of this church. And God put me in this pulpit, and so I'm calling you. I'm calling you to fast and to pray with us for the next 21 days. And I am challenging you to ask the Lord God Almighty, because many believe, but few call him Lord. God, what do you want me to fast? Ask a family member, ask a friend, ask a spouse. Work on it together. This is even more important. You ready? Here's the second question. Lord, what do you want me to form? I want this to be different this year. I'm out of time, but I want you to hear my heart today. I have a holy anticipation of this year, unlike unlike any other year. And I'm not just prosperity preaching, because I don't do that. But I have a holy anticipation about the next couple of years for you, for your family, for this church, for my personal relationship with God. And I believe that the first 21 days, it will be 11 years before we get to come in on January 1st and have service on Sunday. That's why we decided, you know, some churches are waiting until next weekend. That's fine. I think that's cool. They're doing what God told them to do or what they think God told them to do. Not us. We just wanted, look, why wait till next week to do what we could do today? Let's give the first 21 days of 2023 to Jesus. God, what do you want me to fast? What do you want me to lay down? And God, what do you want me to form? Oh God, help me to form new habits that will reestablish or recalibrate the trajectory of my life and everybody around and under my influence for 2023.